This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. We have in the studio Tom Bradley and Christina Costigan. So anyway, we've got uh, we've got Tom and Christina here in the studio to talk about uh, The Duchess of Malfi, which is a show that is performing um, at the Meat Market, uh, Cobblestone Pavilion. But we'll get a bit more details about that show itself. But welcome to the show, Christina and Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, before we uh, we talk about the, the show itself, let's get a little bit of background now that now that we did, you know, worked out that it is Christina here and Tom, let's start with Christina. Christina, just a little bit of background on on who you know who you are, where where you, you know, how you got started in, in in the arts, and and where did it all come? You know, what have you been doing up till now, basically? Uh, well, I was one of those kids who was always performing. So from a quite a small child, I would like make my family sit down and watch me, you know, do interpretive dance and pretend to be a ballerina and do gymnastics, like whatever was, you know, in my brain at the time. I was one of those kids and kind of just hasn't ever stopped. It's just become slightly more formalised <laughs> over the years. Um, so I just, you know, I just loved it and I was soon sort of funnelled into, you know, um, drama classes at school and then I went and did a, a bachelor's degree in drama and media and so I've just kind of kept doing it. Um, and uh, it even took me to Los Angeles. I, I went there uh, for a couple of years. Um, I managed to get a green card in the lottery. Whoa. I went over there. And, and to try your luck. To try my luck. How, how was it? You know, was it because, you know, like you see uh, photos in, in cafes and whatever, and I even saw it when I went to LA, and there's everyone typing in, uh, you know, like they're typing up uh, their script for, uh, you know, like they're going to make it big or whatever. Uh, you know, is it like that? Is it really like that in LA? Yeah, look, it, it really is such an industry town. Um, the, there's just always people in cafes who are having meetings mm. and you can kind of eavesdrop a little bit and hear them talking. And there was a cafe I used to go to on a regular basis, you know, which actually did very good coffee, which was hard to find in yeah. LA, yeah. especially if you're a Melbourneian. We have high standards. <laughs> Um, and, you know, there was one day I was there just in the middle of the day and um, Justin Timberlake came in Whoa. with a bit of an entourage and they were like, you know, I don't know, half a dozen of them sitting around the table nearby and I was kind of like half an era trying to listen to, <laughs> you know, they were talking about some project, you know, I couldn't catch enough to really know anything, but it was just like that's Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and did you get any work at the time you were there? Uh, not a lot, to be honest, in terms of acting work. I did a lot of um, student films. I did a lot of classes, which was actually fantastic. Like I really got to work a lot on my craft and uh -huh. work with some really good teachers. Brilliant. And I produced a stage show when I was over there of original scripts, some stuff that I had done in Melbourne, and I sort of took there and, and did a show over there. Um, and I, I did get an agent. I was auditioning for um, commercials all the time. Yeah. Um, but I never got one. I got one callback. <laughs> um, you know, like, is it soul destroying, or do you kind of? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Look, because it, you know, like, it's that rejection all the time, and you and you, you know, like you, you're putting so much time and effort yes. into it, aren't you? Yeah. Look, this is why actors are kind of crazy because we have to be very resilient. You've got to mm. kind of have a tough skin mm. for all that. 
um, mostly silent rejection. You know, you don't get an outright rejection in the room. Mm. You just never hear from them. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just this gaping silence and wow. no feedback. Um, so you've got to kind of develop a sort of a, a thick skin for that. But at the same time, our whole craft is about finding vulnerability and being open and being able to empathise with the character and, and sort of find those things within us that, that resonate and, you know, that we can. And so that's that's why we're a little bit mad <laughs> because and, you've got to be tough and really vulnerable and, at the same time. Yeah, and coming back, you know, like, um, you know, like sort of resetting yourself. Yeah, I look, it, the whole experience in L.A. was um, it was amazing in many ways. It was also the most difficult thing I've ever done. Uh, I learned a lot about myself and my own resilience um, and I also just I got so much from just diving headfirst into just being an actor. Mm. Um, I was lucky enough I had a little bit of money so that I didn't have to work for the first couple of months. I was able to, like, support, like, I just had some savings and I was able to kind of do that and really set myself up. And then I did end up getting, like, a day job that kind of, you know, kept the kept the rent being paid while I was there. But I, when I came back, I just sort of decided at that point, you know what, I'm done with this big gamble. Um, I I was in my 30s. I was, you know, 40 was on the horizon. I was like, I, I actually don't want to live like a poor student in my 40s. I'm going to come home and find an alternate career, if you like, to pursue and I will keep, but I'll keep being an actor. I will keep doing shows when I can and I need that creative outlet. It's just too much a part of who I am not to. But it was really... Um, there was something very freeing about having given up the professional pursuit or the pursuit of a professional career. Um, I think it made me actually less afraid of failing. Um, so I think I came back a better actor mm, for, okay. for having released myself in a way, but also honestly just, you know, two years of being really in, the, in an industry and trying something mm. every day and working on my craft every day. Yep. Uh, and being challenged and um, stretched in different ways by the teachers I was working mm. with who, you know, they're Americans, they have a slightly different approach to things. And it was just, it was a very um, exhausting <laughs> time um, in many ways, but it was also incredibly rewarding from a kind of creative mm. um, yep. development. And, and what about back? Um, you know, like you, you've sort of moved away from uh, being a professional actor yes. per, full time. Yes. Are you getting work? Uh, as, as an, an actor? actor? Mm. Oh, well, I mean, you know, the occasional play like this that comes along, you know. Yeah. Um, and I also, I, I do run an independent theatre company myself. Brilliant. So we put on shows. And, and what's that? Oh, Baggage Productions. Right. And we do um, we do original scripts written by women. Fantastic. So that's our thing. So yep. I, do, I do that as well. So that keeps the creative fires yep. going yep. and, and I'm able to balance that out yep. with a full-time uh, corporate job. Okay. Yeah. Tom, what about you? Well, in fact, it's quite an interesting parallel. Not that I went to LA, but um, I think all actors have one foot in the cradle and uh, and I sort of started uh, my love affair with the theatre when I was about five. I, my twin sister and I uh, performed together as two Dutch twins singing strange songs in the UK. Um, and I think from then on I've, you know, just loved the idea of performing and uh, dressing up perhaps as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I sort of um, did a lot of acting at school and then through university um, and then uh, formed a number of theatre companies after leaving university, independent theatre companies, um, and have worked, do it, or worked doing that for about 10, 15 years. And I think, um, like Christina, I sort of got to the stage in life where um, 
was having a family and uh, sort of needed to settle down a bit and and actually have a a career that was paying money rather than uh, sort of peanuts and um, and so I went back to university you know finished up a law degree and started working as a lawyer um, and but that's the bonus of that is it's then given me the opportunity to come back and um, do acting work again as a as an older more mature person with my children sort of older. Um, and get back into the profession, which is great. Right. It's, it's, and But you're a little bit more involved, though, aren't you, than, you know, like just... Oh, well, so, yeah, look, um, the, the Arrant Knaves is a company that I sort of set up uh, and I'm directing this particular play and producing it. But, um, but you know, I like to have a finger in every pie. I'm a bit of a control freak probably, <laughs> I think. So, um, But, I mean, that I, I like to be sort of immersed in what I'm doing and... Um, and there's no better, better way to immerse yourself than direct a play, mm. produce it and um, act in it as well. Yeah. Um, you sort of can't escape it. Well, in other words, you're a control freak. <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's right. Although I try not to be too controlled. No, right? I'm joking. Well, well, Tom admitted it. Come on, David. He said he was a control freak. <laughs> I, just like to, I, just like to, I just like to be involved. Yeah. All right. It's well, sad t- desperate, really, isn't it? <laughs> tell, us, tell us about this piece and who wrote it and... Well, this piece is uh, a play by a guy called John Webster, who's mm-hmm. a contemporary of Shakespeare's. Worked at the same theatre, the Kingsman, as, as Shakespeare. Uh, was a bit younger. Uh, written in about 1612 and first performed in about 1612 or 1613. Um, so it's a Jacobean play. So um, a play performed in the age of James I. So it's old, 400 years old plus. Mm. Um, but it's a play that resonates greatly, I think, in today's world. Many Jacobean tragedies do. But, but um, that's the wonderful thing about, you know, like sort of Greek um, the, you know, like theatre from way back. That's all still relevant, isn't it? That's the the strange thing that you know, like you can we can still draw the same. You know, even though the world's changed so dramatically, yeah. um, people haven't. People no, well they really haven't. That's and, it. And, and we see. I mean, I think we were talking about. Um, uh, just about. Uh, sorry, I just finished that thought. We were just we're, <laughs> yeah. we, we were talking previously about um, um, the world as it is today and politics in the world today, and it's um, it's fascinating how how raw politics is and and was in the 17th century as well, mm-hmm. and, and we've sort of come full circle. Uh, the 17th century was a world where. The world has been created anew. It was what you might call a liminal space. You know, things were changing. Women's rights were, were being thought about, strangely enough, in the 17th century. Uh, pamphleteers were writing about, you know, what women's place was in the world. Um, uh, religion was being challenged by scientific discovery. And, and politics was a really interesting space because the idea of the divine right of kings was being challenged. You know, people were actually saying we should rule ourselves. We should govern ourselves. We shouldn't be governed by... You know, some strange family that you know has weird bloodlines, and and the same is true today with people like Trump. You know, with, he's trying to hey. set up some sort of dynasty. Um, with the Me Too movement, you've got a whole lot of issues in in the world today that are, are really no different. You know, w- the women, the fact that women's place in the world is still being debated in the way it is is pretty tragic, given that these things were being debated 400 years ago, and we still haven't managed to understand that you know equality is a, should be. A pretty simple thing. Mm. We still don't manage it. So, mm. this play, and I, I, I imagine that um, Christina will be able to talk about, you know, the Duchess and her her role in it. This play, I think, is about a lot of those issues about equality between men and women, uh, equality just in life generally, um, and and how you know you can contrast that with the way in this play and probably in the world generally men tend to 
try to control, manipulate, and manipulate women for their own benefits, which is unfortunate. So, you know, like this play coming along, Christina, you know, like, what was it like for you to be playing a role like this? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, the Duchess is, um, is one of those bucket list roles for a lot of actors because yeah, it's one of these classic texts and she is in a, in a play full of, frankly, misogynists. Um, she is a shining light. She is, in, in a way, you, could, you know, a sort of a feminist figure albeit very privileged woman, not every woman, you know, in that time would have kind of had the wherewithal. But, you know, she really, um, she decides who she wants to marry and, you know, she marries in secret because she knows that her controlling brothers will disapprove and they've basically ganged up on her and said, well, no, no, you, you've been married once and you're a widow now and you should just stay a widow and we don't want you to marry again, right? You, you know what a man is, you don't need to do that again. And she's sort of like, you know, she says to their faces, oh, no, I'll never marry. But, you know, in the meantime, she's literally planning on getting married wow. in secret that night. Love it. But do you know what? Through history, and, and we know, you know how men have dominated um, uh, history as well, but there have been a lot of ballsy women through history, haven't there? You mm. know, like, and a story like this um, magnifies it a little bit as well. You know, like, I'm going to do what I want to do. You yeah. know, like, it's, um, it's exciting to see that. Yes, yeah. yeah. So she's, she's a great character to play because she really does go through – she's very valiant and courageous, so she's sort of, you know, it's fun – it feels good to play a character who kind of stands up for themselves like that. But, you know, as an as an actor, you're like, oh, I get to play love scenes. I get to play almost a little bit of comedy ribbing with the with the brothers before things descend into horrible violence. Um, you know, I, I I play a you know terrible grief scene. You know, a death scene. It's not really a, a spoiler. Pretty much everyone's dead by the end of the play. There's a big pile of bodies, lots of stabbings. Um, so I, you know, it's a really it's a role that has really um, challenged and stretched me because yeah. I'm playing this whole kind of spectrum of, of emotions and uh, yeah and yeah. Tom what, what are you one of the brothers are you one of the, uh, the, the no I'm not I'm, oh, I'm the uh, the lover the no, henchman oh. no, I'm, I'm the one of the brothers henchmen who the who hired does, thug who does all of the murdering so <laughs> <laughs> yes sadly so yeah okay and so you know, like it, it's obviously a classic, uh, you know, a classic play to sort of pull out. But why, why write this very moment? Why now? Why did you decide to do it at, at this moment? I mean, that's a really good question. And I mean, I, I think it's it's a play that I've done before many years ago, a number of times. Uh, and I think I've got a different view of it. I've sort of developed my own feelings about the play over over many years. Um, to me, as I was saying before, I think it, it, it really is a play that that strikes a chord with the with the with the modern world. Um, it says a lot about uh, the relationships between people and people in power. And um, and you know, not that you know the, the dreaded word relevance. Not that it has to be relevant to the modern world because it doesn't. I mean, it's just a piece of entertainment as well. It's it's like a great horror film or something. I mean, it it, it survives uh, theatrically on its own merits, but. But it really does resonate, I think. The themes are are still pertinent today. And that, I think, just gives it that extra sort of bite. Mm, um, fantastic. Okay, uh, where's it playing? It's at Meat Market. Yep. Uh, uh, North we, Melbourne. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but the Cobblestone Pavilion. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and when's it on? Next week. The, the 15th <laughs> to 24th of February. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, and and uh, it's in the the publicity um, blurb, uh, a gothic horror. 
Yeah. Uh, which uh, you had me there. <laughs> yeah, so well, those people that don't like Taylor Swift, uh, you should definitely be coming along. Not that there's anything wrong with Tay Tay, but. Um, just but, not, gives you an alternative. Yeah, it's yeah, an she, alternative. It's yes. an alternative. She's, she's not into gothic horror. So, yeah, gothic horror, it really is gothic horror. And we're trying to, you know, we, we, a lot of influences with horror movies and, um, and the Grand Guignol Theatre from Paris. So, we're trying to make it, uh, you know, um, dark. Blood, well, perfect, and, uh, perfect um, yeah. a spot to do at the meat market. Exactly. Yeah, very gothic, it isn't it? It is a it? gothic space. Yeah. yeah it's, it's very atmospheric. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. And what's it called? <laughs> the Duchess of Malfi. Right, okay. And how do you get tickets? Uh, so tickets, you can get them through um, trybooking.com. Yep. Uh, if you just log on to that and, and search for the Duchess of Malfi, it'll take you to a spot where you can uh, just book, book happy Right, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and um, and thank you for choosing um, th- this play as well. It's uh, a fascinating one to, to bring it back again. Yeah. Thank you, David. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Thank you so much. We've been talking to uh, Tom Bradley and Christina Costigan about the play The Duchess of Malfi here on Joy 94.9, Sunday Arts Magazine. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.